Hello, everyone. Welcome to Popcast on the Rocks, episode 114. We're back and we're here to talk about pop culture things that interest us. And sometimes there is whiskey. My name is John and I am joined as always by Andrea. How's it going? Hello, I am good. Happy Monday. Happy start to the week. If you consider Monday start to the week, we could mm-hmm. open it up with huge debate Sunday or Monday. What's your jam? Well, I mean, you brought it up, <laughs> so I feel like you have an opinion. Um, I do. I do. I feel like the start of the week is Monday. Like, I feel like okay. weekends should be packaged together. I know there's like calendar organization where you can order it right. like either Monday or Sunday. And yeah, my weekends feel tied together. And somehow okay. it's like weird for my brain to think of like the start of the week is Sunday. Yeah. I mean, I. I don't, it's not a subject I don't know a lot about, not like the days of the week, but <laughs> I know I just like of. sprung, I just sprung it on you. I was like, oh yeah. man, it just like popped up in my brain. Like, oh, happy start of the week. Do you consider it the start of the week? Yeah. I always, I always usually consider Monday the start of the week, but interestingly, the way I suppose our calendar breaks down, what is a little more astrological in nature versus um our what we're going off of now is more of a religious in nature like right. we're saying well the sabbath is actually saturday but christians say don't work on sunday sunday so mm-hmm. the start of the work week then because of that is monday so then right. hence start of the week but right. um really if we're just so gonna funny. yeah yeah, I mean, our calendars, like, to if you brought it up, like, our calendars always, like, weeks look like Sunday to Saturday. Mm-hmm. And, like, a calendar month, they yeah. usually organize it that way. And it just, I don't know, kind of messes with my brain. <laughs> <laughs> I know I know all the days of the week in uh, Japanese. Um, you do? That's something I know, yeah. It's... Do they, I mean, when you're taught, is it just, like, we're just going to start with a random day of the week? or go alphabetically or is it like no i just okay. like sought that out you know it's just one of those earlier things like we did in spanish to learn the days of the week or whatever yeah and so it's just something that i had on a study guide and it said how to how to ask what day it is and how to say what day it is and then listed them and then i i made printouts to put on the fridge and then for a while I changed them every day so every day i could see what it was so yeah. So I'm going to get a little screwy since you brought up languages. So I took Spanish in high school, like four years of it. I was, I was really into it. I really loved studying the language. I cannot remember the days of the week, but when I was very little, my dad got me like a intro beginner German. Mm. And I can definitely remember the German days of the week. Okay. And it definitely starts with Sunday when you learn them. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. So, yeah. Like, so, Sunday like, the first Sonntag. one they introduced to you is Sunday. Sonntag, Sunday. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Yeah. In, uh, in Japanese, it's um, Nichiobi. So, Nichiobi? like, Nichiobi. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. But then today, Kyowa Getsuyobi desu. So, today is Monday. And um, I always remember that because getsu is like get going, you know, oh, and it's okay. the start like of work that. week. So yeah. getsu you'll be. But, gotcha. Yeah. yeah, Germans are far less creative 
Monday is Montag. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, <laughs> I don't remember. Uh, well, really, that's um, probably more we're not so creative, right? I mean, it's probably more Germanic-based Germanic to begin with. Germanic-based languages. Yeah. yeah they're, they're, they, I mean, they're all, like, close and yeah. off of each other mm -hmm. in some fashion. I mean, obviously, you get words that are just, like, completely screwball opposites. But, yeah. Yep. There's certain things that are, you know, shared, common-based. In Spanish, Monday, I remember. Monday, Montag, Montag. I think, is it Miércoles, Wednesday? That's Wednesday, and, yeah. And Sabado, that's Saturday. I remember that because, again, the yep. Sabbath. Yeah. Um, and then I thought I remembered Friday too, but I don't know. I keep, Anyways. I keep trying to, but my brain is just like, nope, Freitag, that's Friday. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's yeah. not Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> yep. It's, it's tough to get, it's easy to get, like, I'm not, I'm only fluent in English, I guess. So it's, it, and even with that limited of other language, it's easy to get things mixed up or forget all yeah. of a sudden how to say it is simple greeting and one or the other so yeah unless you're practicing all the time it's just like well you know mm -hmm. pieces of it remain and you don't always get to choose which pieces yep well um one of our drink days could be tied into our discussion of uh spanish uh the spanish language indeed um, the day that is today we could work let's do this backwards all right all right, we're jumping into a new month, August. It is August 1st, and it is Albariño Day, which is a white wine made with grapes found in a certain region of Portugal. Nice. So Portuguese. Okay. But close to Spanish. Yeah, I I uh, I thought I had seen it was, had Spanish grapes as well, but maybe I spread yeah, the wrong it, thing. And it certainly could be. It could be just like the one website I looked at was focused more on, you know, the Portuguese origin. Sure. Yeah. Cool. I am not celebrating that. Me neither. Okay. Moving, moving backwards. Tarantinoing it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> August. It is National Coffee Month. So if you're a lover of the bean, this is your month. Do it to it. Are you celebrating? No, I mean earlier today I did. I mean, yeah. Yeah. What 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 functioning adult isn't celebrating? <laughs> Pregnant. I mean, ones. I'd like to meet you. <laughs> yeah. Oh well. I mean, I I definitely did, although it was you um, know highly lessened. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But. Yep. Yeah, I couldn't. I could go a couple of days, and then I think about every fourth or fifth day, I at least needed one cup. Okay. Just couldn't quite let go of it. So. Yep. <laughs> But yes, it is National Coffee Month this August. Get out there and celebrate. Uh, moving backwards into July, the last couple of days, July 27th, National Scotch Day. Are you by chance partaking in that day? I am, yes. All right. Good man, good man. <laughs> I'm kind of doubling it up in a funny way. I'm a little ashamed to, to show you what uh, scotch I'm using here. So I'm very I have, intrigued now. <laughs> well, I, I'm, I think I've br brought this on the show before, but uh, Tullibardeen Distilleries Poly Casks uh, Scotch is what I am using for the focus yep, there. Yep, there we are. There we are. But I made it, the doubly scotch part is that I made kind of a cocktail with uh, butterscotch liqueur. So nice. It is, uh, nice. 
scotch whiskey and butterscotch liqueur. And then because anything it else was in just there? too well, because it was just too sweet. <laughs> I just which is this <laughs> is gonna sound silly. I put a little bit of Coke in it. Just for that <laughs> okay, like sure. acid, you know, the sure. and the, the little bit of bubbles little citric, and stuff. Yeah. yeah it's something yep. abrasive to put in there that's <laughs> not just as sweet and um yeah. So nice. it's a, a a really um a shameful thing I did to this whiskey, but it is a, a strong drink and it is tasty. So I will be pacing Excellent. pacing that tonight. So when I when I heard you say you were like doubling up on the scotch i was really hoping you were just like double fisting some scotch since we were talking about anchorman earlier yeah 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 just i mean just keep the bottle scotchy, straight scotch, and i'll chase scotch. it with my scotch drink yeah yeah uh-huh. scotchy scotch scotch down into my belly <laughs> yeah i well the other thing i was trying to make happen before i thought this was mm-hmm. like a tour of the uk so it's like okay we're well, we gonna have mm-hmm. scotch in here and yeah. um then it's like well okay i have um um this irish cream so it might okay. be interesting but now what do i do from act- from england that would Gin. fit in with i know but that doesn't sound good right wait so you're whiskey to do with like, for... like okay, a, so like you're a trying drink. to put it all together yeah yeah yeah, yeah. got it yeah ooh ooh yeah once you add cream you you're limiting, you know, it's yep. you're going a route. Yeah, that's and, a risk for sure. Because otherwise I could have done, you know, gin. Um, I don't know. I'll think, think about it more. It didn't come together mm-hmm. one way or another. Yeah. So Well, and it's hard, like, when you think of it right before, you're, like, struck with inspiration. You either got to, like, hit it right away or it's just the longer you think about it, the worse it becomes to actually yep. try and do. So. Yep. Did, um, have you, um, a little tangent, but while we're talking about England and some of that and drinks, have you, you're familiar with Top Gear? Yeah. Television show. And then now those guys are on the grand tour and they do stuff on Mm -hmm. Amazon Prime and stuff. So James May, one of the fine gentlemen on there, he has a gin, his own gin, um, proper Englishman has a proper English liquor. And uh, so it's just called James Gin. Mm-hmm. And you can find it online. I watched a little video talk about it. And I, I definitely ordered some. Nice. Their little video sold me on it. So I've got Quality. some James Gin coming to me. And uh, I wanted to read the thing it says when you're going to buy it. Okay. It says, hello, American person, and greetings from little old <laughs> England. I am delighted that I've finally worked figured out how to send you my gin. However, your states are not quite united as we can't currently ship to these places. Sorry. And it lists the states. It says, if you live in these places, I suggest you move. If you're living anywhere else in the U.S., good news, we can ship to you. So the states are... Is it it quite a few or is it just a couple? uh, Two, four, six, eight, ten, twelve. So... I mean, that's not... It's like ten states plus... Puerto Rico and Guam. That's like almost the 13 original colonies right there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Iowa, New Mexico, Pennsylvania, Alabama, Alaska, Guam, Hawaii, Mississippi, Puerto Rico, South Dakota, and Utah. So James May would request that if you live in one of these states, you should move. Okay. Well, just, uh, you know, 
casino. I noticed Minnesota <laughs> isn't on there, so I know. I know it. So anyway. That's funny. Um, so all right, I'm gonna tangent us even further, but I hope it's mm-hmm. really quick. Mm-hmm. So uh you were saying that, you know, you're watching Top Gear, guy has his own gin, it's available now. I while we're on the gin train, um, was noticing that one of my favorite movies, uh, Simple Favor, is now on Peacock. And so I was like rewatching it for like some, you know, fun um, and a little also background noise. And of course, the focus in one of the focuses in that movie is the main character and her love of gin martinis. And I didn't realize this like the first time I watched the movie, but every time she makes one in the movie, main character Blake Lively, she uses a certain kind of gin that her husband produces. Oh, and in real life, you mean? Or yeah, in the show? Okay, aviation no. gin. Oh. And that's the oh. gin that Ryan Reynolds, yeah, yeah. that he backs. Um, and I was just like, I never really noticed this before because they didn't really like highlight it or like, you know, zoom in on the bottle or do it like really flashy. But I just happened to be like kind of, you know, it caught my eye at that particular moment in the movie. And I was like, dang like yeah way to go subtle product placement yeah like now yeah, i'm no, curious i didn't pay it. for that one <laughs> yeah I, right like Freebie. you just slip it in there yeah she probably wrote it in her contract like no we're gonna mm-hmm. we're gonna feature a little bit of this here but yeah, uh cool. yeah it was just one of those things like i turned to chris and was like how did i never catch this before that is brilliant great yeah. job well i i know it's not gin day but i i am going to try more gins getting to be a bigger fan of it just because we have a number of different ones now here and you know it is fun how different they can be so yeah yeah. the last time i went to england it was it was a really fun time i you know before i'd kind of been trying a lot of beers um and the last time i went i was really into like just ordering different kinds of gin and tonic like that's mm-hmm. what they do. Like that's yeah. their thing right now. It's just like pick your favorite gin, pick whatever gin you want to try. We'll bring that to you in like a large balloon glass. Um, and then we'll bring you like a bottle of tonic water and you mix it up yourself. Nice. And I love that. That was really fun. Yeah. And you can get a variety of tonics now too. So yep. if you want to yep. be really creative with G and T's with, you know, just the, still the two ingredients. Exactly. So. Yeah. It's kind of nice. It's so simple and yet the taste can vary so much. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Well, are you celebrating uh, Scotch Day? I'm not. I'm oh, not. No. <laughs> oh no! I mean, there's only one option left, so yeah, you know, yeah. you know what I have to be celebrating. Cheese. Uh, but cheese, cheese, yeah. cheese whiz. It's drinkable. Yeah. Got a glass. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Gross. No. Not that I wouldn't eat cheese whiz, but I would not drink it out of a glass. I mean, I feel like that's a line. An acceptable that's, line. That's, yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I am celebrating because this is actually part of my dinner. Um, I'm celebrating National Wine Day, but nice. I am also celebrating National Cheese Day. Oh, wow. Like, you have a little like Christine. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, uh, I do. I I'm do. envious. A little, I don't have anything to eat over here. I have like a little jalapeno goat cheese and honey. Oh my word! Jesus, Andrea, you're you're taking it up a notch right now. 
I mean, bam, taking it up a notch. Um, <laughs> you needed something for when I'm on a rant. You can just be like here, just like eating. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> This'll be 20 minutes sustenance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. No, basically, basically, I was just like, well, you know what? This is going to work out really well because I'm living the life of a single parent during dinner time and bedtime today. So I'm just going to like wrap it all up into one. It's the show plus my dinner. So, okay. Well, <laughs> I mean, bread, good for absorbing the alcohol. Uh, I hope you eat right? a little more than that, though. That's not a lot there. So I did. I did manage to have like a packaged salad earlier. Like I managed okay. to shove that down my gullet while she was eating. So I was like, you know what? This will just like cap off my meal because yeah. I can't just eat a salad. I had one of those today too, man. Yeah. It's like a Caesar thing. Fancy. Delicious. Yeah. Yep. Um, okay. Well, those are the drinks. Uh, mm -hmm. Cheers. Cheers. All right. Chug, um, chug, chug, chug. Just yeah, go. definitely not. Wow. <laughs> I won't uh, I won't make it. Um that butterscotch is hitting you, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we got some things we've been up to this week. We'll cover that. Yes. We've got a fair bit of news stories, some sad ones, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Again. Um uh, I don't think it'd be any big rants for me though. So, you know, be safe there. And then we're gonna be covering um some manhwa some webtoons that we've been reading yet. And then in the last bit of the show, we'll be talking about two episodes of the latest season of Westworld. So Westworld mm -hmm. on HBO Max, season four, episodes three and four. So we'll be uh, spoiler-free until we get to the webtoons, manhwa part, and then we'll mm -hmm. be um, probably dropping some spoiler bombs. So, but... Before we get there, what's your week been like? Oh boy. So I am celebrating a few things this week. Oh, by the way, I thought of what Chris and I were celebrating. Oh, wow. Okay. Nice. It, yeah. It came to me like on the drive home when we were like almost pulling into <laughs> our garage. I was like, my God, why can't I? And I finally remembered what it was. Chris had like no idea what I was talking about until. I said what I was talking about. And then he was like, oh, right. Okay. <laughs> he was, he was so unhelpful. <laughs> he just like the whole way home was like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. What you're I don't know. What? What? Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> but I finally thought of it. So I feel happy now. But, right. Is it something you can share? Oh yeah, totally. It's, oh. it's, so I remember why I thought it was related to, to his school and things mm -hmm. that he was doing for school. It's because it's actually about his schooling he just got the confirmation that uh, all of his student loans are forgiven. Oh, wow. Crazy. So, okay. There you go. Yeah. So we haven't made like the last payment yet, but it just got confirmed that like it's happening. Wow. So, so, I mean, you could, the lesson being for those that are long time watchers of the show and are familiar with what we're talking about here, you could have had uh, that champagne the other week because Chris would have been none the way like what celebrate yeah, what? no he, he totally <laughs> forgot until I said something and he was like oh right right I was yeah. like I don't know about you but like thousands of dollars being forgiven like yeah, makes right. me think like crack open a bottle of bubbly like yeah. I want to celebrate that that's right. money in my pocket nice so yes cool. 
So, yeah, we are very excited to celebrate that once Chris remembered. Um, and then celebrating another big thing that just happened today. Uh, spoiler alert, worldwide, my daughter took her first steps today. Oh, wow. She walked. Nice. Cool. She walked. How far did she make it? She made it quite far. She made it like all the way across a room. Okay, nice. Yeah. So, yeah, no, it was quite far. She just like up and did it. Um, and it was adorable because it happened while we were visiting a puppy that we might adopt. Oh, so yeah. So the puppies make one walk. Yep. Yep. Mm -hmm. Just, uh, yeah. If you're ever worried about your kid and run her, towards her the cuteness. Yeah, exactly. Buy a puppy, you know, obviously <laughs> teaches them that, you know, do things for rewards like buying puppies. So <laughs> <laughs> now you have Aaron, to take care of her. Okay. You have to take care of the right, new puppy. Right. <laughs> my 16 month old take yeah. out the dog i don't care if it's negative five today you mm -hmm. wanted this puppy <laughs> so so first steps have to count like independent of anything else is what you're saying right not like propping holding on the table yes. you know because yeah, so like so you're walking with her in her hands right so yeah so propping it on the table or like furniture is called cruising ah uh, okay Okay. Yeah. And then like, I mean, obviously walking with me, like holding our hand is walking, but it's obviously not unassisted. It's assisted. Walking. Right. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Well, nice. Cool. Yep. So yeah. So she took her first steps. That was pretty <laughs> cool. I was very excited about that. Um, nice. Yeah. So it's been a big part of our week and then celebrating another huge milestone. Chris and I finished all 15 Dresden Files audiobooks on tape. Nice. On tape, that huh? Was, was that was like... Deck? Oh, my God. Oh, no, it wasn't. I suppose... Yeah, it's audiobook, but... I just... I, I keep calling them books on tape. Yeah, like, it's no, just so... Yeah. I understand. A little old school of me, I guess. Um, but, we, yeah, we finished all 15. It was a big moment so that we could finally start his two latest ones that came out, Peace Talks and Battleground. And I've already finished Peace Talks. I've already read it all. Oh, wow. Less than a day. Nice. Very so, good. Yep. I'm pretty excited. I'm pretty like deep in the Dresden world right now. We also, oh my God, I'm sorry. I'm going to keep harping on this. Um, but Chris was super curious because there was a Dresden Files TV show made back in 2007 by the yep. Sci-Fi Channel. Mm -hmm. And I watched a couple of episodes and just like could not stomach it were so many things that were changed from the books like some i think to you know fit the confines of tv and some were just like slap in the face this is an unnecessary change mm -hmm. um so i couldn't i could never like get through the entire you know one season that it was produced um but chris decided he finally decided he had to watch it so we watched the first episode last night and he enjoyed i think the hate watch more than i did so he's okay. gonna keep going he's gonna keep okay. watching this whole dresden files wow season one i'd heard someone else just bring this up um a youtuber and i don't i don't remember what their thoughts were on it but i i thought it was something along the lines of it deserved more of a chance or wasn't as bad as people thought or something i don't it's know it's so I will give it this like the production quality for 2007 is not terrible. 
Like okay. the effects aren't like, oh my God, I'm cringing. You know, it's, right. it's the production of the show isn't terrible. What makes it terrible to me is the choice to change so many things. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like there's like changes to the way the main character looks. Several different names are changed of characters. Uh, one of the side characters is completely different than he appears in the books. Um, there are several kind of like backstory things that they just like willy-nilly change and don't really give you any sort of reason for it. Right. So there's like several touchstones that are like very important to the characterization of both the books and the main character that they just switch. Yeah. And it's really tough as a fan to be like, I'm not seeing the reason for this. Well, and that's the thing they used to, I feel like they're, they used to try and say, Hey, changes are going to need to be made because we're changing to a different medium. Right. We'll have to adapt. But now, because that was just, to me, clearly most of the time, just an excuse. Um, to me now, it's like, they don't even try that. They're just like, no. we're just, we're just changing it's different. it. Just, yep. yeah, it's just different. Just deal with it. Yeah. And so. it's just, it's really, it's really frustrating when you, when you think about the things that like didn't need to be changed that mm -hmm. are. Like, I mean, several tools, like for anybody who doesn't know, Dresden file centers around a wizard named Harry Dresden. And of course he's got like several wizarding implements, most of which are changed for the TV show. Like he's got like a wizard staff in the books. He carries a hockey stick in the show oh, for some inexplicable reason. Like in the, in the books, um, he wears like a pentacle amulet that his mother gave to him and uh somehow in the show it's a shield bracelet that she gave him even though in the books it specifically talks about the hours that he spends making a shield bracelet mm. or like in the show he drives a jeep in the books he drives an old volkswagen beetle like right yeah yeah, yeah. And, and like the beetle is actually like a central almost side character he talks about it so much mm -hmm. and he talks about why he has to drive this kind of car as a wizard and like, yep. there's a whole logic reasoning thing behind it. The show is just like, nope, he drives a Jeep now. Yep. And see, you know, people making this show will be like, what's the big deal, right? It doesn't, you know, but it's because they really themselves the don't care about it. You know, <laughs> you cared about yep. it. You want, you want a faithful adaptation. And, right. you know, a lot of times the things can, you can let a few things like, like the early, the early X-Men movies, right? So mm -hmm. early X-Men, Blade, used to some of the early comic book movies. Um, obviously, we had things before, but this is where it was starting to, they had the bigger budgets behind them. And right. it changed a lot, uh, especially in X-Men. Blade's more faithful, I think, but in X-Men. And I think a lot of us kind of let it go because it was new and exciting. It's like, Hey, wow, we're getting to see X-Men in some iteration actually with a big budget put on the screen. That's cool. Right. Um, but if we like look at it with what our standards have grown to or whatever, in a way I, it's not, we might still enjoy those movies, but I don't think today we give them the leeway that they were graced with. Then that was right. a benefit of them in a, a, you know, blooming new, venture here in the superhero right. comic book movie franchise. So. No, I totally agree. I mean, we we're just kind of happy with whatever we were given. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think there would be certain things that, you know, 
even for those type of movies, like if you brought in Beast and called him like, oh, no, he's not Beast anymore. He's Blue Fur Animal. Like, <laughs> no, yeah. you, you don't get to do that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like there are certain lines that you can't cross. Um, but you're right. We, I mean, we did give those movies some pretty decent passes. But like to go back to this show that that kind of like transgression is exactly what the the writers were doing with the Dresden Files show like our our main female character for some inexplicable reason in the in the books is short like built she's she is a practitioner of aikido and mm. you know kind of muscularly built has short blonde hair blue eyes in the show she's like medium height whip thin clearly like has no you know like physical right. prowess um has curly dark brown hair brown eyes and in, in the books is called karen in the tv show is called connie like yeah i mean i mean it's the same thing as it, it's the same as try. switching uh the woman in moon knight it was basically yeah. parallel another character in moon and knight that could have easily you're right could it easily just been that person and they didn't yep. do it or yep. um tris in witcher just give yeah. her red hair like what right. is what is right. your problem you know like it just you did it eventually like you couldn't do it right away right yeah, yeah. yep so it's, it's just it's just laziness or or people not um not thinking it matters or you know right. i'd rather have this person here than than what the story says and right you're all gonna watch well, it anyways aren't you well and i feel like i mean in the case of dresden files i will not be watching anymore i mean i <laughs> sat through the first one with chris so he could see how awful it was and yep. yeah and i could watch his reaction to being like why um but the thing is i never mind changes well i don't say i never mind i'm less likely to mind changes if you have a reason if there's you know like some showrunners like we had to do this for logistical purposes or oh, yeah. if like Tris had started out, you know, two episodes with different color hair and then there was somehow like a magical reason for changing her hair that made sense with the storyline, like probably wouldn't be super happy about it, but I'd be less likely to be like, why couldn't you just do it? Yep. But yeah. in these cases where like there's nothing and you're just supposed to take it, like that's really hard. Yep. No, it's 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 like Cowie Bebop from Netflix. They did this the exact <laughs> opposite way of what you're supposed to do so if you're going to adapt something from anime to live action you understand for most stories there's going to have to be some changes to make it now enjoyable in this new format one of those things would be like toning down the character of edward you maybe wouldn't go like quite as literal with edward and try to embody a realistic edward type figure in real life Right. And they didn't do that. They seemed to try to go as literal as possible. But then you take someone like Jet and you cast someone that doesn't look like Jet and then you put him in a broken family. Mm -hmm. These are things that are just arbitrary. They didn't need to change to, for the adaptation. They just did it. So yep. it's all these choices of like, yeah, I understand. It, but it's, it's sad when they don't even change the things that really should be changed to make right. it work in the new medium and then arbitrarily change the things that could have just been left alone. Right. So, yeah. 
You thought uh, you weren't going to rant tonight. I, yeah. And we did it. <laughs> I know. Uh, <laughs> you you could have had a bite of Crostini there for a minute. Yeah. <laughs> I was just so, thinking that, man, I'm so hungry wasted now. Wasted opportunity, yeah. I, I'm hungry now. You just describe that to me. I definitely want that. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> All right. Um, well, cool. move us off. Move us off this ranty path. Tell me about your week, John. Um. Yeah, I uh, consumed a lot of stuff that uh, I enjoyed this week. I uh, on the channel, you can see if you want now a video where I talked about the anime Call of the Night, which is a manga adaptation quite new currently airing and right. i've caught up on the first four episodes now at this point which i think is all that's presently available it's on the service high dive and it continues to be a fun watch it's a good um it's got a little again it's a quirky humor and i really like the uh, the colors that they use in there which sounds silly to say but just like the atmosphere they build for this show is is nice it's good so so I'm awesome. definitely liking that. Um, read a few more comics and, and webtoons as well. And then uh, Westworld, which we'll talk about. Of course. And um, and then I, I saw. Did I watch yeah. Westworld? I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then I saw the, I didn't watch the prelim stuff, but I did watch the main event. I saw Nunez versus Pena, the rematch. Um, on Saturday night and I How won't say who well? won because in case someone's listening and they have yet to watch it. Um, it was a good fight though. I enjoyed it. The person I wanted to win did not win nope. though. I like both of them. So it's not, not the end of the mm -hmm. world, but, but yeah, I wanted to see it because then this next week is I think the finale of ultimate fighter. And those two are coaching the separate teams on the Ultimate Fighter show. So nice. this the show is leading to their rematch. And then right. the, like week after, we know who won. And they're going to have to have their finals basically on this Ultimate Fighter show. So it's going nice. to be extra heat, you know, for season. the person that lost to try to get their team to right. so they have a victory that in that way. So. Right. No, that's a great lead in. Smart yeah. marketing. Yep. Um, so yeah, that's been my week in entertainment pretty much. Um, Excellent. we, uh, I, I did think about playing horizon, playing some more video games, just didn't manage to do so. Um, would have been good because then I, uh, would have used it to lead into this. Um, so Eidos Montreal square Enix, uh, um, they were one and the same. Mm -hmm. And recently, Square Enix has been, they sold their Western studios to Embracer Group. And that shifted things around because uh, Eidos Montreal owns stuff like the Tomb Raider IP, uh, along with um, Deus Ex. And uh, so a store, like, I think it's more wishful thinking, honestly, at this point, from on, on the point of, on that, like, part of some people. But it's been a rumor for a while that Sony is going to buy Square Enix. And now mm -hmm. some people yeah. involved seem to think that this sell-off of Western Studios was mm -hmm. kind of a setup to allow for the acquisition of Square Enix by Sony. So that's the story we have here. Interesting. 
Yeah. I mean, to me, it's, it's interesting that they would sell off because the Western studios haven't been particularly profitable recently. Sure. And so like that makes sense in a, in a way, but at the same time, it seems weird that Sony would want those studios gone when it would be an opportunity for them to like have the Tomb Raider IP, a right. game that was very, you know, important in the brand building of PlayStation. It'd be kind of a, it'd be a, it'd be a win, like culturally for them, it'd be a win, uh, especially when they've lost, uh, uh, Spire of the Dragon and Crash Bandicoot to Microsoft. Right. So, right. yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if this is just like you said, just a generation of a lot of wishful thinking or if it's hinting at things to come. Obviously, yeah. it'll, it'll bear watching. Yep. Yep. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I think this is a good fit. I think Sony buys Square Enix. It makes sense. Uh, it's weird that Tomb Raider is just is just gone. But um, so be it. The story this leads into then is um, MGM. It's more Tomb Raider news. So MGM yeah. lost the rights to make the Tomb Raider movies, mm-hmm. which is kind of crazy that, I mean, in fairness, that's why we got terrible Fantastic Four movies for right. some time because they had all and and Spider-Man reboots galore because of the mm-hmm. deals set up. They had to make sure they're always putting out a movie within a month enough time well Which mgm really lost there about those deals yes like and the shitty nature of those yes i mean i understand from the perspective of those selling it you want to be look we have they have, have a very valuable ip here right. and we don't want it sitting being wasted if you're not going to do something with it like i get that but, like, but the turnaround's uh... a little yeah, it's just, it's hard because on the one hand, I totally get that. You don't want to see it like shuffle off to die in a dusty corner somewhere. On the other, like, was anything helped by those franchises being like, you know, like having sequels on top of each other? Did did good <laughs> movies get made? Did goodwill, you know, right. get engendered towards these franchises on the part of moviegoers because these sequels were just like pumped out? Right. I don't yeah. Know. No, it's so, I mean, I feel like there should be some sort of like better middle ground for stuff like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I mean. Again, if Sony had like, I feel like Sony is going to be the bid. They're the ones that are going to put in the bid because it says here, according to this IGN article, that this has sparked a bidding war in Hollywood with a host of studios now putting in the bids to have the rights to make sure. the Laura Croft films. Sony's got a because Sony is totally pursuing the um, making, you know, they're doing Last of Us on HBO. They're doing a Ghost of Tsushima movie or something Um, They're They did the Uncharted movie. They're going all in on this. I think it would be it would make sense for them to have this. But I don't know. They don't own the video game IP. It would have been the perfect, you know. Right, right. Perfect blend there. Yeah, I mean, it, again, seems logical to go after this, especially because the last Lara Croft did so poorly. Yeah, you know did mean? you ever like, see it? Nobody's. I saw like a couple of minutes of it, but I didn't like actually watch it. Okay. Do you know what I mean? 
Mm-hmm. Like it was on TV and I caught like a scene of it. I'm sort of like, oh, right, but I should like start this from the beginning. Just never really had the desire. Okay. Hmm. I guess it's. So, I yeah, yeah. I, I can't speak to like the quality of the movie. I can only talk to like, you know, audience yeah. reception, which was low and mm-hmm. people didn't care. People didn't like it and people didn't care. So, sorry, Alicia Vikander. But I mean, it, I mean, yeah. it sounds like she's out and nobody's sad about it. Yeah, it's I, I'm sad about the state of Tomb Raider in general, mm-hmm. I guess, because That's fair. it's a it's a been a big, um, again, important building block mascot type character for PlayStation back in the day. A lot of fans to this day, um, but we we haven't had a good Tomb Raider movie since I would argue the first one. I think the first one's actually pretty good. It's got its I issues like it and it's like 90s elements or whatever, you know, but it's it's fun. It's fun, though. Yeah, and it, it feels like it embodies the Tomb Raider games pretty well, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know. I, there's also news recently about kind of the direction that the new Tomb Raider games are probably going in. And it sounds like it might feature a more experienced Laura Croft that is sort of leading a team of Tomb Raiders to like collect and preserve artifacts. And at least the Tomb Raider fans I'm aware of are not thrilled with this kind of direction. Um, I'm not going to lie to you. It sounds like the exact kind of direction that Hollywood would love and true fans of the franchise would hate. Because mm-hmm. if you have Lara Croft leading a team, you get the chance to be like, ooh, what stars can we entice to like make a you know a fun group? Mm-hmm. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? That's such yeah. that's such like a a huge thing for them right now is like, let's just get like a bunch of stars together. They're in a group, like cheeky action, witty dialogue, like explosion here, boom, we've got a movie. Yep. Yep. That yeah, way we don't and, have to rely on one person for the star power draw. We can have like a whole cute team. Right. Like every superhero movie that's happening right now. Yep. Yeah. So maybe they do this thing where that's the direction the games go. And then they do they Hollywood takes that idea and runs with it too. I don't know. The the fans I listen to, um the you know, they have Tomb Raider, Laura Croft tattoos and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, one in particular I'm thinking of, she's like Laura Croft is to her the ultimate female power fantasy. She is like, she doesn't take any shit. She has a lot of money. She has tons of skills and is really tough and super sexy. And the direction they've taken her in the years since a lot of the earlier games is trying to be a more grounded, realistic um, sort of approach. And I think that's brought in a bunch of fans, you know, that weren't familiar with Tomb Raider before. Mm-hmm. But for the people that kind of grew up with it or this was a big deal to them before, it's not the kind of Tomb Raider they were looking for. And so sure. with things changing hands, there was some hope that maybe we'd see sort of a, a resurgence of the the confident um, kind of experienced, not given a fuck sort of uh, Laura Croft, as opposed to like the sort of student saving artifacts little little less sure of herself a little more grimy and down to earth so sure 
Yeah, and there's, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that in essence. I mean, there's nothing wrong with like a grounded character, but you don't have to take it to like extremes. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like Lara, Lara Croft is who she is. She's like confident in herself and her skills and her, you know, wealth in her body. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. she can do all of that and still sort of be like, yeah, I got some issues too. Yep. And it, it distinct <laughs> well, and this distinguishes her from the other things that are kind of like her, you know? So Laura Croft and then uh, Nathan Drake are both like, spinoffs mm-hmm. of indiana jones really right. but indiana jones along with nathan drake though there's plenty of comedy and there's fantasy involved there's still like flawed kind of every man man you know um and so something that separates laura croft from them is the you know sliding off the back of a tyrannosaurus rex through the air with two guns and doing fl- you know like it's a little it's the next level right. of like unbelievability and uh i guess people could make the argument if that would sell today or not i don't know but i think uh there's certainly um, a, a fan base that would be interested i'm sorry have has anybody seen <laughs> any of the fast and furious movies recently yeah, because right yeah they run on unbelievability and this yeah. is coming from a fan of those movies like part of the reason now you go to those is just to be like no no mm-hmm. This doesn't work at all. Vin Diesel cannot catch a woman flying across two bridges, smash into a car windshield and be like, cool, I'm going to stand up now. Like, (laughs) nope, nope, nope. (laughs) Yeah. But that's part of the fun now. It's just like watching that kind of stuff. So, I mean, yeah, there's, there's room to be grounded, but there's also room for like what in the world, like I'm just going to have to take it, roll with it. Yep. She wants to slide yeah. off the back of a T-Rex shooting guns. Like, go get it. Yep. <laughs> it's not the most unbelievable thing I've seen in the movies. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of, like, unbelievable things, I mm-hmm. guess, um, George Jetson was born the other day. And right? it just reminds me of all the crazy technology that we've got to catch up on soon. Right? So... Right? Where's my robot maid? Where's my yeah. flying car? Rosie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You got to be, yeah. I, I expect in 30 years Where's that you can house? drop down a, a suitcase, a briefcase, and it just like folds into a car. Yep. Yep. Please. So. I want to, I want to be first in line to sign up for one of those. It'd mm-hmm. be so easy to store. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think, uh, I mean, cause why not? Elon Musk should start another business and, uh, just like we'll call it the Jetsons or something. And it will be mm-hmm. trying to achieve some of these technologies. Instant hairdo changes, you know? Put yes, the thing please. on, boom, just switch between them. Yes. I want to know what I look like with like yeah. 20 different hairstyles. Like, mm-hmm. test me out. Yep. So, happy yeah, no, I, uh, I birthday. Saw I saw that the other day. Mm-hmm. It was just like, oh my God, George Jetson's about to be born. I know. I I hope I hope that someone had a child on july 31st oh my god and name them george jetson and if, yeah i was gonna say yeah. if your last name doesn't happen to be jetson middle name exactly right yes i yes. mean <laughs> if you never say the middle name it would seem so normal until you're like oh what's your child's middle name jetson mm. mm-hmm. 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 one of the cool people so i just thought that was a fun story yes um 
then you found the story that's maybe not as fun. We're we're starting no. our we're starting our until we get positive again. We're starting our sl slide into our slope down. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, so I found an article recently that you know talks about what what on the surface should be fun, um, which is the slate of content, uh, recent content from Netflix, kind of the big budget movie type things um, that have you know drawn some real star power. Most recently, Gray Man got released with. Ryan Gosling and Chris Evans, um, mm -hmm. Red Notice with uh, The Rock, I think also, no, that's Ryan Reynolds, not Ryan Gosling. Woo, just mixed up my Ryans, Deadly Sin there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and Gal Gadot, um, I think one of the other ones that they were talking about, moving into the little less fun territory, um, was The Irishman. And so this oh, article yeah. was just kind of talking about like, Netflix has really sunk huge gobs of money into these very like flashy pictures that are very safe, very formulaic, and are basically devoid of joy and creativity. They are mm. where they once kind of were a studio that were saying like, hey, take a chance on us. Like you got a creative idea. We want to make it. We'll throw money at it because we need new, different, exciting content. And now they're drifting into like, almost a parody of um you know regular studios it, it's just kind of like the nth degree of like i mean the writer uses gray man in particular to talk about like this is terrible uh the russo brothers have like almost no character development zero plot they just want to whisk around to like exotic locales and you could basically substitute anybody's dialogue for insert witty comment here mm. so and I mean, as someone who hasn't yet seen Gray Man, I'm not, I was never really kind of rushing to go see it. I mean, I was interested and I was happy that it was going to be on streaming and I was like, sure, I'll watch it. Like a spy movie seems good. Like I love mm -hmm. Ryan Gosling. He seems to pick good stuff. But yeah, I mean, I just sort of, all that, all that potential kind of died with this article. And... I can't say that I could pick out any of the content that this man has picked out and disagree. Sure. About the state of movies in particular on Netflix. Yeah. I feel like they've gotten very safe and very formulaic and you could apply that to almost any genre. They're, you know, doing romantic comedies that kind of look a lot the same. They're doing like big spy movies that look a lot the same. I mean, they're doing like cutesy holiday movies that look the same like anybody else has. Like, there's no risk. And I think, I mean, this guy hints as to why that's, that's why Netflix is losing subscribers. And again, I can't disagree. Like, out of the mm. thousands of millions of things that I have to watch out there, why give me something that's the same as everything else? Yeah. I mean... I won't say that Hollywood is creative like the I mean, this is Hollywood, no. but I mean, the regular machine that's doing it, the, you know, so like. But like is Netflix it, had an opportunity to not be Hollywood. Yes. Right. And they sort yeah, of yeah. went with it for like a hot minute and then decided we want to out Hollywood, Hollywood. Yeah. Like chasing that elusive, like we should get into the best picture category. Mm -hmm. And I, I just feel like you know a lot of 
creativity died right there. Like the moment somebody decided we should get into this for the awards. Yeah, for sure. That's where it all goes. Yep. Like, I mean, I think it's not to say there's, there can't be good content or like you can't take a risk and have something be creative and also awesome. Like obviously things like squid game happened and it's yep. amazing and somebody took a chance on it, but yep. like why that, that clearly wasn't like big budget sink our millions into the way that like something like gray man is. Which is easier to take a risk then, which is a good reason they should maybe do more of that. You know, like it's, it's kind of what we're getting with, you know, with Marvel, like every movie it's $200 million right. plus. And right. that money doesn't guarantee a good movie. It just doesn't. No, it does not. Um, yeah, I think part of Netflix's issue with what they're talking about here is, I mean, they've had the reputation of, you know, green lighting everything. And so I think that the idea is we need content. We need content all the time. We need a lot. And we're going to get people to, to come to the service and stay there because we throw big checks at big names. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, if you're, if you're too willing to give the Russo brothers, however many millions of dollars without knowing a story or having, you know, what are you actually interested in telling? What do we got here? If you're just going to do it right away, then yeah, I suppose that's what you're going to get. You know, if you just throw money in people's faces without being convinced that, that they have a passionate, you know, well thought out story right. here that right. they want to execute on. Right. They're throwing money without checks. Mm hmm. Yep. Throwing checks without checks. Yep. <laughs> yep. There you go. You had it better than I did. Yeah. yeah. So I just, I don't know. I read this article and was just sort of like, yeah. Like, I don't know what it is, but I mean, maybe Netflix is the place of vanity projects now. Well, because that's what I mean, that's that's, what, that's 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 Hollywood right now. Vanity projects. This is like, right. Right. But yeah. like, like I said, I feel like Netflix is trying to out Hollywood Hollywood in yeah. the absolute worst way. Mm -hmm. And I mean, as someone who suffered through every single agonizing minute of the Irishman, <laughs> could not feel more. That that is true. Mm. Like that, that was just like, oh my God, the best part of this movie was the 10 minutes at the end. It had nothing to do with like the agonizing three hours that came before it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I don't know. They say content is the name of the game for a subscription service, but we already have too much content. That's what we have a lack like of is good content. Right, that feels so ridiculous that like sheer volume is what they would go for because as a subscriber to a substantial amount of services, it is so overwhelming to get into the site and just be like, oh my God, I, like, I don't even know where to look. I don't even yep. know where to go. I don't even, I, I feel like I can't even choose a genre because there's so many choices in the genre. Like, what am I going to do? Yep. Yep. So, I mean, yeah. I would I would so argue the opposite. Mm -hmm. I do not need all this content. It is overwhelming and anxiety producing. Yep. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree. And I hope I hope some people learn this lesson. Like you just need to have you know, I don't know if it comes from the idea as well that you have to have so many 
options in different things because say you're a person that likes friends and you really just like friends and something else that's like friends. So you need to have for that person friends and then 20 other friends show sure. like shows because that person's not going to watch any of these other things, you know? Well, so that's the thing then, like why, like why not then just have like a service be siloed to, you know, the type of content that you're producing. If you want to produce like 20 different friends shows or 20 different office shows or 20 different perks and recs, like that can go on one, like feel good comedy, yay channel. And then have another channel be like, we're the dark and creepy channel. And we produce like, you know, thriller, horror, you know, supernatural suspense, like whatever that is. Like that makes more sense to me than like trying to just like diversify to the point of like madness of like we have to include everybody because then you get nobody. It's the same problem we've mentioned before. Like if mm -hmm. you try to broaden too far, even I mean, we were talking before about within the context confines of like a single show or movie it can really be a subscription service too if you try to please everyone you're pleasing no one because you're making shitty content that mm -hmm. nobody's excited to watch yep i mean i think truly there are a number of people and i mean i could be wrong about this but i i truly feel that there are a number of people who just want like a really great show that everybody talks about that you can like connect with people and be like, you saw the latest episode of X or whatever. Like you saw the latest episode of Game of Thrones to return to like a huge recent cultural touchstone. Everybody wants to talk about it. Everybody wants to connect about it. Yep. I don't want to wa tell somebody I watched some random show on Netflix that was like halfway okay. Mm -hmm. Yep. And, and, you know, I was going to bring up Game of Thrones too because it was such a <laughs> cultural moment and it was a show that's, clearly not designed for everyone but is appealing to a lot of people yeah. and so that's all hbo needed and so that's understandable why a lot of people are trying to seek out and make their version of a game of thrones because but that's perfect proof people turn on hbo because they had to have that show and it didn't matter really if there's anything else on hbo they were watching that right and that's what they're paying Nobody for cared. So if you had a handful of things that were really special that uh, um, that you don't even have to think about, like what kind of audience they're going to reach, you just know they're really good. Mm -hmm. I think that's that's all they're going to need. But that's tough to do. Mm -hmm. That's that's harder to do than to just give everybody two hundred million dollars that has a big name and hope that that because yeah, I, I haven't watched any of these movies. You know, yeah. there's not been enough of a like stir about any of them saying this is fantastic to mm -hmm. bother with literally any of them. Yep. You know? Yep. I get so. you. Yeah. Well, good uh, or good uh, article find here. I don't know if we're going to get any changes, um, but eventually I feel like Maybe. these companies are going to have to learn. Right, lessons. maybe with the uh, the again kind of flop or lack of buzz around the release of Gray Man, it'll be a lesson mm -hmm. for Netflix. Yeah, because they're already feeling like they're skating on thin ice. Obviously, they're panicking about losing subscribers, so this isn't the way to gain them. In these recent days, I feel like usually people just learn the wrong lessons. 
They do learn something, but they learn the wrong ones. I agree, but uh, we'll see. We'll see. Mm -hmm. All right. In uh, a couple legit sad stories here, um, I think I'm saying this name incorrectly, according to the British, but I'll say it the way I would know. Uh, Bernard Cribbins um, Mm -hmm. of Doctor Who fame has died. Mm-hmm. He um, was Donna's dad um, in the series mm-hmm. and an incredibly lovable character. <laughs> that's mm-hmm. that's what I know him from. I was definitely sad to hear he died because he does such a great job in that role. Definitely has yeah. some of the emotional moments. He's just a great addition to the series. And uh, yeah, too bad he's... He is now gone, but he has, to my understanding, a, a big history of of other stuff he's done. He's well known in the in the UK, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think that I think that's fairly safe to say. Like we uh, we didn't know in his entire filmography because, of course, it's British show based. Which you know, some of it's made its way here, and some of it hasn't quite yet. But mm-hmm. yeah, he's uh he was such a sweet character in Doctor Who. Um, and of course has, you know, been part of some of the shows, like a very emotional moments with David Tennant, who is the, of course, popular 10th doctor. So that, yep. was a, that was a real sad story to hear. So sorry, grandfather. He's uh, grandfather. Donna's grandfather. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yep. So sad for the loss there. Makes me also sad for the loss of Doctor Who in general. Just brought that up mm-hmm. again. So, um, yeah. yeah. Another big um, science fiction franchise has lost a historic member of its mm-hmm. cast. Uh, Nichelle Nichols, a um, the actress to play Uhura in the original Star Trek. So she has also passed away now at 89. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was, a, again, a sad story. Um, she was, of course, you know, a pioneer um, as one of the first black women, uh, in a sh- especially in a show, uh, not on, like not just on TV or anything like that, but on a show like Star Trek. Um, mm-hmm. So that was a, a pioneering role that she played. And, of course, she, you know, literally made history when she had that first interracial kiss with uh, William Shatner. So Yep. Yeah, just a trailblazer in a lot of different ways. And, you know, she's, I think, I feel like the cast, some of the cast in the original Star Trek is like, there's stories about them or one way or another, someone's controversial, but everyone liked Nichelle Nichols as far as I was aware. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's just always positive things. She seemed like a positive person um, and that kind of thing. So, yeah too bad um i am not a big star trek person but i do enjoy the original series so Mm -hmm. um and one more sad story uh another death i feel like we've been getting a plenty of them this is a younger person i believe i don't know the age sometimes these authors um stay a little to maintain a little anonymity and maybe I just am unaware, but there is a manhwa webtoon called solo leveling that has been mm-hmm. 
blowing up and people are very excited about. And they're now making uh, an anime of it. And that's all exciting. But the artist for this Webtoon series, um, Jong uh, Sung Rock, which I guess, like pen name, I guess, is Dubu, mm-hmm. um, has, has died from a cerebral hemorrhage. Yeah. So it's pretty shocking, uh, I think. And um, it did, oh, it did, does say here he revealed that he had been suffering from a chronic illness. So mm-hmm. shocking to others, uh, but something he'd been struggling with, I guess, is a health yeah. deterioration. Still so. too sad. Yep. So it's, it's, it's really sad too when you like don't get to see your beloved thing come to a new audience in this kind of fashion, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm guessing he was excited about it being made into an, an animated form as well and like discovering well, yeah. a new audience. So, cause it it's not like, out yet. Yeah. It sounded, I mean, it sounds like it was in the hands of a good studio that they've done fairy tale and black Butler and one other big one that I'm missing. Um, um yeah. Uh, sort of online. online. Yeah. I was so, going to yeah. say some of, some of the, the ones that I've really enjoyed uh, as an anime fan. So, I mean, that's a, that's a great studio. They've put out good work. So yeah, going to start reading the, the tune and, you know, we'll hopefully be catching the series when it comes out because. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it seems great. And it's sad well, that. I'll start it reading it then too. Took, yeah. And it's sad. And unfortunately took a story like this to get that to my, my notice. Sure. But, uh, yep. Hopefully it can be kind of a, a beautiful celebration. Right. Yep. Um, all right. Done with the sad, done with the sad stuff. But uh, are we? Well, we're, I mean, <laughs> yeah. This first webtoon here isn't exactly uh, cheery. Yes, but it's fake. So it's okay. okay. It's okay. All right. So we're slowly like ascending <laughs> yes. out of our, yes. out of our black hole here. Mm-hmm. All right. So spoilers for the manhwa slash webtoon. So, Every calls a webtoons. I understand. It's fine. I think of it like <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna get this. Be I don't know squabbling over uh, semantics here. Settle again. in here. Yeah, no. I feel <laughs> like in in my mind, webtoon is the format, and I kind of thought of this more today, and I'll discuss it more on the next series that we're talking about here. Sure. And versus. Manwa is the just the name of a comic from a specific place of origin, that being Korea. Okay. So I know they're interchangeable. I will end up using them interchangeably, but I'm thinking more webtoon again as a format because there are a lot of people from all over the place that put comics onto a webtoon service. Sure. So webtoon is like a specific like platform. Yeah, well, webtoon being a comic distributed for online consumption. Mhm. versus webtoon, the branded mm-hmm. app for accessing this versus then the comics that are on there, manhwa, man 
manhua spelled differently for Chinese <laughs> and yeah. then um, like American comics and and yeah. and manga. So okay. I don't know. This I'll try matter. to follow along. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, the cliff. Um, so a short story taking three episodes at a time. We're on episodes four through six. Um, we seem to be intrigued by the first three. But we'd mm -hmm. mentioned that it was a little like rushed in terms of exposition yeah. and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, what do you think about four through six? So I have a couple of thoughts. These panels were even shorter. These episodes, individual episodes were even shorter than the first three. And part of me found that intriguing. And part of me was like, that's it. Mm -hmm. Like, that was real quick and it felt rushed in a different way. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, like it was so like, this is an episode and it's done. Whereas right. like one through three, like the exposition felt rushed this, I didn't feel anything clunky in the wording or the situations that were happening. Um, that actually the pacing felt very nice, but it was just so short that I was like, okay, I guess I just read an episode. Yep. So that was, that was a little like, again, sort of something that was just off putting a bit i liked yep. the more natural i can think reveal of information the reveal of the situation the things that were happening in these panels but yeah there was there was still an element of feeling off kilter yeah no i um i agree i i should look at the release dates because i would be mad if this wasn't released all at once <laughs> Because it's so... Well, it's not, though. Was it released over time? Well, sorry. So if you're the, if you're the average viewer who's not going to, like, sink your uh, coins into... Gotcha. it, I mean, it isn't released all at once because you only get, like, the first couple and then you have to do a daily pass right. in which it forces you to slow down. So you can't yes. just, like, binge through unless you're going to spend some coins. Yes. Which, I would... I mean, if I was, like being frugal about it, I would be bothered spending coins for something so short. Yes. You know, uh, yes. I just like, because <laughs> I, 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 I wanted to, I, I'm like, I didn't want to, I waited to read these until today because I didn't want to read yep. them right away early and then want to keep going and forget what I read or something like that. Yep. So I just, you know, I paid for whatever today and stuff. And, uh, but yeah, I was thinking like, it's like, it's not a, that was not worth my coins, mm -hmm. you know, because it's mm -hmm. not enough. So, yeah, yeah. Like I said, the, the situations are intriguing. I felt more deeply invested in in the philosophical questions, you know, in the in the middle yeah. fifth episode where, you know, we, we get revealed and spoilers, spoilers are happily up there. So nobody can can get mad at me. Um, you know, we, we get it revealed in the fourth episode that our. Our one of our protagonists has been rescued mm -hmm. by chance, um, and that was exciting. That was you know interesting and frustrating and all of the things because of course you know we we don't feel that he's deserved it, um, right? But he gets rescued, and then in the fifth episode, it reveals that you know it wasn't even his own ingenuity that got him off the mountain. It was the fact that someone was coming to look for his hiking partner whose father had died. Yeah. And so it was just like tragedy upon tragedy. 
And then, of course, you know, this guy feeling horrendously guilty that, like, all of these things had happened. Like, you know, and he, and he really feels like he's still stuck back on that cliffside. And it's just such, such a great question of, like, did his rescue even matter if he still, if he can't, like, ever live with himself or, or you know, yeah. push past the experience that happened? Yeah. Like, was that rescue, like, a waste? Yeah. No, it's a it's a good question. There's been some stuff in the news or whatever recently and other things where I sometimes think like, yeah, could you could you live with yourself? Is that like is that worth it now? And and so yeah, this guy's going through that. And then our cliffhanger in episode six again, uh with the photo, the accident the the photo taken. Oops, maybe he uh drug his part his buddy down. And it wasn't the same kind of tearaway whole cliff thing that had been remembered. Yep. Yeah. So, so like morality and memory. Yeah. Funny things that can kind of waver and play tricks on you. And mm -hmm. they're not what you thought they were. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, obviously memories can can feel distorted from one person's point of view, but also your morality can. You, th yep. you might think you know what you, they are and then you get into this situation and it's a lot different than what you thought. That's why it's good to, it's good to think about these things. You, yeah. you really find out, you know, like best where you're, where you can land, uh, with your, with your morals. So hopefully if you get in a terrible situation like this, you're, uh, firm enough in those that, um, you respond expectedly. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I, uh, I'm, I'm enjoying it. Just, I think it probably should be three episodes long in total or something. Yeah. Um, something like that so um and you you mentioned it too in your notes here I, I didn't know if i was doing reading something wrong it's like the repeating moments oh, or yeah. if it was intentional somehow <laughs> like wait a minute i just read that exact thing so it's I even shorter really you just cut that yeah. out and yeah so. i don't i can't imagine like the first time i saw it i was like maybe he was like driving something for emphasis yeah. and then i saw it again in the next one i was like no this is a mistake yeah mm -hmm. so all right, well, that's the cliff. Next week, we can talk about the finale. Um, now, maybe meant to be. So yes. these are much meatier episodes. Mm -hmm. um, again, episodes four through six. Again, spoilers. Maybe meant to be. What'd you, what'd you think? I mean, I think we both came away from the first part, one through three, yep. pretty positive. So. Yep. Yeah, I'm going to say positive again for these episodes. Um, I felt like there were some great, like, familiar steps in this kind of, you know, maybe friends to lovers, you know, we're we're in, like, a fake relationship and pretending it's real kind of thing. There's some great, like, expected next steps, like drawing up a contract. That's, you know, pretty standard. Like, these are our, like, rules for being mm -hmm. together. Um, so that was a lot of fun to see like what was going into their like particular contract. Although as a grown ass adult, I was also like, come on guys, <laughs> some of this is just like super unrealistic. I guess you have to live through living together to figure that out. But yeah, like one of the, the, no, I think we both had it like the no forcing anything meant no say in the other's personal life. It was yeah. like, oh. A so you're on heroin line. and you like you know just like oh, I'm just well, anything. <laughs> I the so, right 
punch your dad in the face, not going to yeah. say anything. Like, mm -hmm. come on. So it, it was a little like, you know, this is unrealistic. Mm -hmm. um, and I get where they're coming from, but it's not, it's not translating. Well, it shows, to me, it just shows their, their naivete in this. They're just, yeah. they're young. They do not have the experience in the dating world, let alone really living with anyone other than their family pretty much right. or, you know, by themselves. And, um, so yeah, like I can see, I can see plenty of people not thinking this through enough and not thinking about what this really means when they, right. when they write it, they have something in mind when you're saying something, you're writing it down the list and then not thinking of what that all implies it implies right. any other things or whatever. So. I mean, and as a reader, I was a little annoyed that like no forcing anything ended up being like translated into like no say in the other's personal life. I was like, that isn't the same thing. Sure. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I wonder what it was originally. And uh, it was like just like a weird, Korean. right. It was just like a weird phrasing of like, no forcing anything is vastly different in my opinion than like it, for, for Chris having no say in his personal life. Mm -hmm. Like, if he didn't want me to force anything, that would be different than like if he wanted me to have no say. Because I could bring something up in a very casual like or like, hey, I'm just noticing something. Take it or leave mm -hmm. it. Bye. I'm noticing your feet that, really stink, you know, like. Uh, take it or leave it. Bye. Do something. <laughs> <laughs> but then forcing, it's like, hey, no, you have I'm to. I'm putting use... your feet in this bathtub and, yeah. <laughs> you know, here's yeah. some like gold bond foot powder and we're doing this. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? So, yeah. yeah so it's just a, sorry. I was sticking on that a little bit, I think, because the first episode was so much about the contract that I was like. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um. I I'm still enjoying the humor in this. Uh, mm -hmm. I still like um, we're getting to know these characters and they are always a little surprising at times. Mm -hmm. uh, the <laughs> she's like, what are you looking at me like this? I, I'm going to get a job soon. And then as soon as he leaves, like, ha, I'm not getting a job. I ain't as long no job. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, oh, they're not. Yeah, not not particularly responsible there. But um his breakfast was funny. I almost thought about doing some sort of drink that looked like a veggie smoothie thing or something, Protein you know? Shake. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that would have been good. So the other thing I'm appreciating about this series so far, and this is what kind of made me think of like Webtoon as the format is, yeah. um, and others have done this, it's just I hadn't really thought of it this way before, is comic books are good for, like traditional comic books, they're always good for the, kind of verticality of a superhero or something. They make perfect sense for that low, high angle shot of, you know, of a superhero to make them look imposing and strong and stuff like that. Um, so those pages work well for that. And, or a widespread double over two pages, you know, big epic battle scene or something like that. Totally. Um, manga is kind of a, kind of a similar way, you know, it's, but webtoons is changing that up and you could tell where in, on some of them their comic books put into this format like mm -hmm. they're they're really written and drawn and put together by someone yeah. that had the familiarity with what comics are uh, in that sense 
And now I see a lot more, and this is a good example of it to me, this, this manhwa that understands it's going to be read on a phone and it's playing to that. It's formatted as such. Like we get nice, big, full screen shots to call out specific emotions or things or whatever at mm -hmm. times. We're really not going panel to panel. It's not like structured in that way. Like it's really, it's different. And it's an, it is an enjoyable way to read, I think, when it's done well. Whereas some of the other stuff I've read was like, this isn't enjoyable because it's like a comic book shoved into Webtoons format. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think there's, there's something about this team's ability to tell a story in an intimate, but also larger setting that it doesn't feel unnatural to flow between the two on a, on a phone screen and they really take advantage of all the space that they know is going to be on that screen. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's a really close up zoomed in moment. And sometimes it's farther back, but every part of the space feels well used. Yep. Yep. Cause it's like, I thought it was a good contrast with the cliff and this, even the cliff mm -hmm. has a lot of like yeah. word bubbles, you know, in there and stuff and smaller panels and stuff. You're not, Very it's like, small. that would make sense in a comic book, big, you know, whatever, ha mm -hmm. you know, 11 inch kind of thing but not so much here so yep yep um we also get um some new characters we're introduced to yeah. in this so um we have smoothly introduced it, what's like, that well you know what i mean smoothly oh introduced. yeah like they don't feel like shoehorned in like suddenly somebody has a best friend you never knew about it's like Right. These are our main character's coworkers. Like he has to go back to work after his honeymoon. Of course we would meet these people. Yep. Yep. So agreed. And then the way the manager was introduced was fun too. Like we didn't know she was yeah. in the car and then like, Oh, yes. what? Yeah. So, um, yeah. And then we get like a whole backstory about her, like search for like the average guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. Oh, I really enjoyed that. That was very fun. Yeah, and her definition of that over the years. Changing, yeah. Yeah. Yep. I think checking in on different versions of her who were, like, insanely impressive. Yes. And yeah. she, it felt like as she kept going and going and, like, getting more impressive, like, her standard got lower for, like, what was a perfectly average guy mm -hmm. that she could mm -hmm. have. And I was just like, come on, <laughs> girl. Like, you knew better. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, their interaction between uh, her... It was uh, Su Yeon So and her mm -hmm. and the subordinate Song U Choi is great because she's like checking in with him. Like he doesn't have any prospects, right? And he yeah. seems to be reporting back. No, he doesn't seem like he wants, he's interested in women at all. So yeah. what a shocker now. Um, I, yeah. I feel bad for her. I feel, I feel bad for her. Yeah, I, I like the way that everything was set up here. I mean, there was a blend of like empathy and humor. Like, you know, you were talking about the subordinate checking up on him. He's like, look at these guns I sculpted because this guy only goes to the gym and that's the only place I could go with it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you think I did this for fun? Like, no. Yeah. Um, so that was really fun. And then, of course, like meeting her and getting her backstory and then kind of having her like, again, dream of the moderately okay guy being crushed and shattered um, you felt for her, 
you you got her like anger, her you know mm-hmm. sadness, but then you also got like a like a maybe hint of a love square in like maybe she was pining after our main character, maybe the subordinates pining after her, maybe there could be something there, mm-hmm. but if there isn't in the future, I'd also be okay with it. But it was just enough of like a maybe something to be like, this could be this could be a lot of fun. Watch all yeah. these characters. What if they end up seeing like, hey, this marriage is kind of contractual. And so yeah. we're sort of like, mm, you know, whatever. But then introducing this other woman kind of makes them realize this actually is pretty upsetting. Like, no, this right. person's mine. And like, so it could create that kind of blossom right. their relationship further in the marriage and make it more like a real marriage. So. Right. Yeah. yeah, it's uh, it's. I mean, that's very classic, you know, kind of tropey. Yeah. Um, you know, will they or won't they in love stories? And you know, if it's if it's done right, it can still be really fun. And oh I think yeah. So far, these these authors, um, the author and the artist, have made me trust that they're going to handle things well. Mm-hmm. And then we are, we're ending on I thought a great scene where it's uh so uh. So Yun Yuso is like, who is this woman? Who would be the one to garner the attention, you know? And then she like peeks around the corner and sees she's sitting there like crouched down with a cigarette looking kind of like crazy. Like, that's who you fell for? Wow. And she says something like you again or you came back or something. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Okay. So very abrasive kind of uh, sort of attitude. Yeah towards him it was it was such a weird like random thing to say Mm -hmm. let's see i think i have it pulled up i'm sure they're gonna observe some oh she says you're back you're back and she says huh so (laughs) we'll see what that's about Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah well it's yeah i'm excited to keep reading it's been hard for me to not keep reading knowing we're just doing the next three per week or whatever but at the same time we'll catch up very quickly you know i'm sure is so and then we'll be those people who are like waiting each week yeah down to sunday Mm -hmm. but i feel better about this one because so far each episode has been more substantial more substantial so yes yeah all right that's been uh maybe meant to be manwa on the webtoon platform uh so if you're interested in following along download webtoons on the app store or google play it's free to do so and uh pick it up now to a more serious show i suppose uh not short of romantic encounters i suppose as well yes for storylines but uh westworld season four um, it's been a few weeks now, but we talked about the first two episodes previously. So feel free to go back and watch those. But right now we're going to be discussing episodes three and four. Yes. Um, what do you think? <laughs> um, I enjoyed these episodes a lot. I thought they were well put together, taken as a pairing because a lot is happening in three that gets a payoff in four. Right. 
So, and a lot of things from this season are starting to make sense and I'm excited about them. So I really felt like episode four was such a great story with a twist that I did not see coming until it was happening and I guessed it, but I wasn't mad that I guessed it. I was very excited that I guessed it. Okay. What, so describe to us, uh, so spoilers, obviously, but, uh, what, what are you referring to here? So, so from the last episode, um, you know, we have uh, Bernard and Stubbs who are meeting up with a very random seeming woman in the parking lot of a diner going off with her and like getting in with her crew and, um, you know, just kind of being like, oh, we're going to you know go with them because Bernard just knows what has to happen now because he's like a Cassandra that people actually listen to. So... Yeah, so he go. They go off with her, like join up with her crew in the middle of a de- of a desert, seeming nowhere, um, and they're telling her like, "We can help your people. Like, we can help your group." Like Bernard's like, "I know where a weapon is that you're searching for. I know what you're looking for. I got this." And you're like, "Okay, cool, random." Um, so they finally get the chance to go out into the desert, and we slowly by by turns. Um, are getting this storyline of like uncovering the weapon with a with what we learn in the episode is a flashback to another point in time. Yeah, here we go. Reveal right here um, that that uh, Bernard is actually living sometime in the future of the events that we've been watching unfold between Caleb and Maeve, and Bernard is out in the desert with Caleb's daughter Frankie digging up. Maeve, who we see and we don't know at the time, but you, you're kind of, you know, sort of starting to guess it. Um, yeah. She's she's in in a in a previous time period. I'm guessing like 10, 15 ish years by the age of Frankie at this point. Um, right. Was in the new faux Westworld temperance, the roaring 20s with Caleb, tried to get out ended up sacrificing herself so that Caleb could get out um, by setting off a bunch of charge mines and burying herself under a massive pile of sand, which in the, in the present moment we just see as desert. But as we're moving forward with the Caleb and Maeve storyline, we see it, they're actually in what used to be Westworld. Yep. So, so that, that I did not know that this was going to be like a flashback and forward until it was happening and it was in the middle of it. And I was just realizing that Bernard saying he's going to dig up a weapon and realizing Maeve was about to bury herself. It's like, Oh my God, he's digging up Maeve. He's digging up Maeve. (laughs) That is Frankie. I know it is, even though they call her C and it was Frankie and they were digging up Maeve. And I was like, I'm not mad about this. This is awesome. (laughs) Yeah, no, I I agree. I, I didn't think about the Maeve thing until pretty late on. That they what they were digging up was Maeve. I definitely the first time I saw her, I'm like, that's Frankie. I I think it was something with the transition that they did between the stories where we were just like, I think I don't know if we were seeing Frankie escape or something, and then we cut to this. I'm like, okay, because we had that was the thing that was puzzling me before was with was Bernard. Like we ended season three with him putting on this device zonking out and then and then waking up covered in dust so we knew right. a a large amount of time had passed 
yeah, now we're getting Bernard here. Like what, what is happening? So we had to do something with this time jump. And, um, yeah, I think it's, I think it was, yeah, it was well put together. It's well Mm -hmm. put together. And, um, I'm really, I, when, as I was sitting there, as soon as I thought that, and then we're watching Bernard and stuff go along with Stubbs, I'm like, so what is the world like now? Like what yeah. has happened? And so it's interesting. We see now at the end what it's like. And we assume, right, that um, Dolores and Teddy are in this time, ah. right? Mm-hmm. Are in the present that's been taken over, basically. Yeah, so I'm assuming that she's in either the present or even potentially another future. Because she okay. can't be in the past. Right. Because she's she's drawing these things that are clearly in Caleb, which, bah, reveal, he's a host now. Um, it's in his and Hale Loris's present. Because we get the flash yeah. at the end of episode four where they've built this terrible tower that's you know a oh a controlling device that she draws in like a picture and it's she's like oh i don't know what this is you know it's some crazy thing so it's earlier but they've right so they've they've erected this tower that she's drawn Mm -hmm. so yeah so i don't know where i still don't know exactly where she might fall in a timeline but she's she's clearly not in the older timeline where Caleb and Maeve were walking through temperance and like going yep. through, you know, new old West world and going See, on that adventure. You, you talking about that make, it makes a perfect sense. Now I think it's, we're dealing with three time with three different time periods mm-hmm. and, uh, and, um, Dolores, I'm just gonna, what's her name in here now? I just going to call her Dolores. Christina. Really. Christina. No, okay. I do think of her as Dolores. Yeah. I, I wrote so, I wrote in my notes and then I had to like change some of them to Christina and I was like, oh God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I it makes sense that this is the Hale Loris's plan is in the stages of of execution mm-hmm. while she while we're watching her. Because yeah. it would make sense that she is some people are starting to realize they're being controlled. Because the people are coming, that that's what never made sense before. Like they're coming to her saying they're controlling. She's you're why are you writing this thing, you know? And then they, they do it. Well, right. that's people seemingly understanding that they're right. being made to do stuff. And some that's of them maybe, the yeah. Whereas some of the adults are not as in, influenced as easily, and some of that. So right. there's errors, and then. Yeah, the signal being sent out. So the other hosts, how do they see this? And so representing it in her drawings in that way. And um, mm-hmm. so yeah, we're 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 still gonna it seems get to see the minutia more of how we get to where things are. So like I wonder if we're gonna get for a while be dealing with that kind of time period to work up to yeah, hey, the whole world's taken over by uh right. By the machines here, I hail. Right, and I, I did enjoy the nod to you know we we come out of um, Caleb just realizing like what's happened to him and that you know he's in an interview with Hale Hale Loris establishing a baseline. Yeah, um, you know, oh that was really good. 
some excellent acting, but some excellent writing as well. Um, and he, you know, runs out totally panicked and you see him run past the front desk of Olympiad Entertainment, which is, of course, the company where Dolores Christina works and, of course, would tell you why people are, like, coming up to her being like, why are you writing my life? And, yeah. you know, she literally is. And I thought that all along, but I really like the way that they revealed it. Mm -hmm. It was well done. Yep. Yep. It's yeah, I'm I'm just happy because whereas the last season did give us some fun things to think about, mm -hmm. it was purely because of the subject matter and not because of the execution. And this is like enjoyable to watch because of the execution here. Yeah. Um things are things are paying off. There's there's so I mean, we're four episodes in and we have we've just gotten some answers. Like we didn't have mm -hmm. to wait forever to understand that we're going and viewing different uh points in time um so yeah. yeah it's been it's been good and i i feel like or confirmation that the flies were a thing and like look out they're infecting everybody like, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i like it so uh i guess a complaint i had is i don't know i still don't know if i love the relationship with Stubbs and uh um arnold um it's, oh, Bernard it's Arnold. Bernard, yeah. yeah. It's fine. Uh, I just, I don't know. I, I didn't like them together very much in the last season, and so maybe mm -hmm. I will more in this one. But, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I don't know. And then I yeah, was a little... I, yeah. Sorry, just to pause on that. I agree with that, um, mostly because they really haven't done anything, like, to bond them together in any particular right. way. I mean, they had like a fun little moment where like Stubbs was in the diner eating his tuna melt and playing a cool song and Bernard was outside kicking butt, but like could have been anybody. Yep. So hopefully like I'm excited that they have like something meaningful to do right now yes. and they're going to interact with Maeve, which, you know, is not interactions we've seen really before. Um, so that this feels fun in that it's purposeful for them, but yeah, like their relationship isn't particularly focal. Some bloke named Chris, uh, in the chat is, uh, <laughs> says, I have questions about Christina's <laughs> roommate. She was yes. weirdly persistent about her meeting to Teddy. Nothing, Which something happens. Yeah. Yes, totally, totally. Um, I definitely also had that in my notes. Um, where like, did I have that? I yes, was taking it's like so obviously a setup. It's so obviously a setup. Like she was super pushy about her needing to go out. She set up her date with Teddy and then just like watched. She like didn't go out. Yeah. She didn't behave like right. a normal. Which she person. said she really like, needed to go out, but she did. Yeah, like that means like you need to go out and like have a drink, get your flirt on, like, you know, what whatever it is you need <laughs> to do to like let off steam. You don't just like creepily watch your roommate have mm -hmm. obviously a very intense interaction with their date. Well, so we've, if we've established that potentially during this time, the they're, they're working on seeding control of everybody, but they are working out some kinks yet. And so it's so some people are having some problems. Well, her roommate having like nightmares again, acting very odd feels like she's being forced to do this. So she's probably infected and doesn't she exactly know what's going on. She talks about flies in the food. Yep. 
So Come she's on. infected and is is being made to set her up with Teddy. But for why? Why? Right. It's like, is this a right. thing for Hale? Like, is this a, um, you know, Christina needs mm -hmm. Teddy to like be who she wants her to be? Or is it like mm -hmm. going to be a ploy of revenge? Like try to bring back some memories and then rip them away or sure. there's gotta be a point, right? Yeah. And that's, that's one of the things I feel like was great about these few episodes is it really showed us Hale Loris's potential for planning and being a villain because it seemed initially like Maeve and Caleb were getting away with this and they were kidnapping her and she was going along and wasn't like resisting terribly much. So you yeah. were, like, had this like sneaking suspicion that there was something else happening, but I didn't see it happening on this level. Right. And that she was like talking to the 278th Caleb who was, you know, she was establishing a baseline and she just like overwhelmingly crushed this like tiny bit of rebellion and resistance. Yeah. Um, so it really showed us her potential for planning, playing along, playing the long game and just overwhelmingly winning. Yep. So that's what makes it exciting to think about like, is she behind this? Because what kind of game is she playing and thinking she's winning? Yep. Yeah. Cause it, you're right earlier when you said that these two were good to watch together, because if we had say watched episodes one through three and then waited to watch four, there were a lot of unanswered things. And as, as you mentioned, I, I put in my notes too, like, a lot of not struggle. Why couldn't you escape from the back of that vehicle? All these sorts of things. Like, well, I was like, would the handcuffs really even hold her? All this, right. you know, and um, then it makes sense. Yes, of course. Yeah. It's set up. You know, even going around underneath Westworld, it was like, where is the security? Where are the cameras? Like, who is, and why is there no alarm going off and people running in to dig deal with this? These intruders clearly. Right. Well, cause it's, cause it's a setup. So. Right. Yep. Yep. Um, ba -ba -ba -bum. you called out the soundtrack. Good. Yep. Yes. Oh, so good. Uh, yeah. Episode, episode three was a lot of fun in, you know, bringing the familiar back in new ways. You know, we're, we're basically in Westworld. Temperance mm -hmm. is Westworld. The same storylines, just with like different faces um, so it was fun to see, see those, but also like kind of frustrating <laughs> to see these like low rent versions of the characters that like we oh, already yeah. knew. So right. that was, that was, you know, weird. Um, and I did appreciate, you know, I'd been kind of down on Caleb and like needing, he felt more useful this season, but yes. not quite up to his full potential. But I was uh, impressed with him just being like, God, maybe you had to live through this shit. Like, ugh. <laughs> you know, just just sort of like expressing that solidarity of like, my God, these were shitty storylines for people to write for you and for you mm -hmm. to live through. So mm -hmm. it was it was fun to kind of watch this like secondhand version play out and Maeve get a little bit of, you know, bit of vengeance or kind of working it out of her system being like, oh, my God, I'm so far <laughs> from here now. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, speaking to the the characters and what they're what they're all up to. I feel like it's a lot more of an honest um like path 
for all of them to be on. They all feel a little more useful. All makes a little more sense um, mm-hmm. than last season where last season we had, we did have, you know, we see now it was leading to something. There's so much wasted time with Bernard and stuff really was not particularly engaging. We don't know what's going on with this. And um, I feel like everybody has a purpose now and something meaningful to do. And so I'm, I'm, I'm not bored by anyone's storyline, which can be a, a thing. Sometimes when you're juggling this many. Agreed. It was fun to see uh, another familiar face uh, at the beginning of three when when Bernard was yet in I forget what they call it exactly but in his like um, yeah Yeah. when he was in basically the world established for hosts that you know Mm -hmm. I I I don't I can't forget what they call Mm -hmm. it though yeah totally Um, so it's fun to see him and how he said a year in the physical world is a millennia there. Mm-hmm. So, which is why Bernard is like, "Hey, I know everything." Yeah, he's like told <laughs> the ultimate Doctor Strange, right? Right. Like, Been through normal. all of these scenarios. Yeah, see how they all play out. Yeah, I mm-hmm. love how bits of that are like playing out. Um, you know, with Stubbs being like. Hey, we're in the midst of like this gang who's about to shoot us. Like, tell me we're not going to die. And he's like, yeah, most of the time we don't. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. It's great little like throwaway, but not quite throwaway comments like that. That really just like make you appreciate like it's kind of a funny moment, but also like continuity. I very much enjoy that. (laughs) Yep. Yeah, Bernard's definitely, it's a little whiplash for how he was in the last season, how he is now. But I guess we're supposed to take that as sort of a, this is the effect been in there. this had on him. Yeah. After seeing so many possibilities for the future. Mm-hmm. And it'd be interesting to talk a little more, you know, or to, to, for the show to discuss more Bernard's motivations here and stuff. Like what mm-hmm. is it, you know, to reaffirm for us why this is important for him to do and why he cares about humanity in the way he does. Right. Well, and I mean, it's it's kind of a dual purpose of caring about humanity and being the failsafe. Because last season, I feel like we, we thought he was out to stop Dolores. Mm-hmm. And he still sort of is. Yeah. He's just out to stop a different version of Dolores. Right. He's out to stop Hale-Loris now. Mm-hmm. And like why, why that's been kind of like a failsafe for Bernard. Right. Be the person who's doing this. Yeah. I mean, isn't it easy? Wouldn't it be easy? I think people are getting to this point, or some of them anyways, uh, they're really kind of nihilistic. And wouldn't it be easy for a machine to be kind of the ultimate version of this? Like, I, you know, what's it really matter what happens? Right. You know, what, is, what does it matter what happens to humans the world like what in the grand scheme of things who cares uh you know what's sure well and and i mean part of it could be a question of why does it matter that humans are okay and why are we saving humans or part of it could be a question of you know how important is it to me that that hosts machines my people don't become what humans were to us 
sure. you know, so, so much of the, the, the couple of focuses I think, um, in these last few episodes have been like, Maeve is like, Oh God, like I had to live through these storylines and Caleb's like, Oh my God, you had to live through these shit storylines. And then, um, you know, in this episode four, Hale is talking about, you know, like, I prefer to call these humans that have been infected hosts. So it's very much in like on the nose, like role right. reversal. Um, and then there's another there. Oh, um, Hale is, you know, talking at the end and she's like, you know, you guys started doing this to us first. So now I'm just, you know, flipping the, the switch and, and doing to you what you did to me. So it's very much like we are now in control which she sees as a good thing. And I think Bernard is maybe like, uh, like saving humanity would be really nice and a bonus because they have potential. But also I would really like it if hosts weren't the old versions of humans. Right. Do you know what, yeah. I, you know what I'm trying to say? Like yeah. there's something about yeah, like, to keep a consistency, like understanding what, how, how it feels to have your existence Right. Like nobody form. should be doing and, this. I don't care if right. it's humans doing it to hosts or hosts doing it to humans. Nobody should be doing this to another being. Right. And and mm -hmm. he sort of like and I could be projecting here, I could be speculating, but it's certainly a possibility to consider that Bernard is like, just nobody should be doing this. Right. But when does that get tiresome for Hale Oris? Um it's like, well, I've Haha, ha, I got you. I'm doing to you what you did to me. When when is that no longer fulfilling? And now Which is a what's great the question. purpose? Right? You know? Like isn't that a great question? Like once you've gotten mm -hmm. everything you wanted and you're crushing everybody beneath your boot, like how long is that satisfying? Right. You know, yeah. how long can you make that last? Or you know, is it going to be satisfying? for a while and then bernard goes up against her and she's like okay now i can find satisfaction in that if she defeats him like who's next yeah i mean maybe i have to rewatch some other stuff or whatever because it's it's the need to establish what is important to and how they conceptualize what's important to each host each mm -hmm. machine because for a human, we look at a human, it's like, okay, your base, you know, purpose when it comes to like instinctual and stuff, you know, it's for in initial things, uh, immediate things like pleasure. Um, your like your DNA is telling you to reproduce. Those mm -hmm. kinds of things are like the just driving core factors of, mm -hmm. of humans and life. What is it for a host? And you know, humans give themselves further purpose and meaning, you know, by adding on other things like religion or something like that. But the hosts, why? That's like the question I want answered by this season. Why mm -hmm. the struggle? So if it's like Bernard, like you say, just for in his programming and the way his personality has been designed, like, I don't like to see this kind of injustice. And... I don't know. Yeah. It's... Well, that's that's kind of a fun thing about this season is it's giving us hosts 
that are so human-like that they seem to have different motivations. Like if Bernard's motivation is, you know, I, I don't like injustice no matter who's carrying it out. And I don't want to see, you know, my, my particular people or people that I've created um, when I was human, you know, perpetrating this kind of cruelty. That's his motivation, maybe. Um, Hale Loris's, you know, security, I think, you know, the feeling of, you know, I'm on top of everything and I can protect everyone and I can serve out my vengeance because I have control over everything. And that gives me security and comfort and power. You know, Christina... I mean, she is Dolores. She isn't Dolores right now, really. So I'm going to take her as her own, like, separate entity for just a minute. She says, like, what's important to her is telling stories, like, meaningful stories. That's what's right. important to her. Connecting with others through, you know, storytelling. Um, You know, for Maeve, I think there's a sense of curiosity and connection and the protecting you know, mortality as this fragile, beautiful thing because mm -hmm. she had her daughter taken away from her. Like she talks about in episode four, she couldn't help herself. She realized, you know, how fragile and fleeting and beautiful Caleb's life was because it was more mortal and she couldn't resist checking in on him and seeing how he was doing and, you know, kind of touching that, that beautiful spark once more. So there's, there's kind of a humanity that we're getting as a as a base storyline for all of our hosts this season that's really yeah. blending i think a, a great line of like who is what and what does humanity mean again we're kind of back to some of those core concepts in very different ways yeah that makes me think of like two things so one is the difference between someone and their motivations when they when they know what they are you know, and so it's put together in a really like uh, literal way in this where yeah. Christina, she thinks she knows who she is in a way, but maybe she's a little unsatisfied or wherever she's going mm -hmm. through life, but she doesn't understand really who she is. She doesn't understand she's right. synthetic. She's not a human or whatever. So how does that change your motivation when you know really what you are? And so like, It'd be in the human in the human sense, like if you were to think, well, I am a flesh bag that you know wanders the wanders the earth, versus then like, oh, I understand now what I really am. I am one of God's children, you know, or something like mm -hmm. that. Like you, if you go to another, like then yeah. your purpose changes, and so it's right. made very literal in this. And what will that do when she finds out? But the other thing I think this show needs to do maybe is they risk having us care about humanity enough if there's no distinction between humanity and host. If a host is, for all intents and purposes, just a better version of a human, what do right. we care? Now, obviously, we can still care that a being shouldn't be controlled. That So that's an issue that still needs to be fixed. But in terms of really caring about humanity... Yeah. yeah. Why? Yeah, no, I completely agree because they've taken away our our one kind of remaining touchstone that we've been familiar with. They've taken away Caleb in a beautiful plot twist. So yep. good. So, so good. And I'm really looking forward to seeing what they're doing with this. But yeah, like our, our kind of normal people we've taken away and now we've got Frankie 
and I mean potentially her mom potentially I don't I don't really know like kind of where they're going with like right. storylines and you know times time frames um but you know we've got this like new crew of humans that we just got introduced to essentially yeah you know I mean we've we've been with Frankie for a couple of episodes but really a couple of episodes is not all that long where we've had Caleb at least for an entire season he's developed relationships mm-hmm. um you know, he was an analog for the entirety of humanity being controlled. And we watched his struggle to get out of that the entire last season. So, yeah. Yep. We're, we're uh, rapidly losing our human characters. Yeah. Um, and it's a problem that, that Westworld's obviously going to have to address if they're going to continue to talk about humanity. Yep. Um, one thing I loved personally, uh, at least the mm-hmm. way I saw it, is the... Um, Besides the soundtrack because yeah Angelica. yeah i no, i'm, I'm just loving the just the sounds in general they really oh, I, went I more cyberpunk more mass effect the tone that controls people is really nice yes. and satisfying so it's it, was, it was a good um there was good switches between you know being in temperance and out i felt like those like kind of flowed yeah when we were we were in the in the west world park and when we weren't i really enjoyed mm-hmm. The 20s music, I enjoyed the callbacks to like, we're playing 20s style versions of popular songs. Like, uh, it was just all good fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, it's, um, I'm wondering like, um, where I like that they, to me, this reflects reality uh, in my world anyways, where the idea is I love the Hales line that she was trying to control adults, but as they get older, they get kind of more stubborn. Mm. And yeah. mm-hmm. it's, and so we had, it took a generation. We had to start with the children that are more malleable. And that's how we take over the world. It's like, yep, you got to start with the kids. You got to <laughs> get the kids first. And then if you want to change everything, that's how, that's where it goes. You're not going to well, get other people. So it's such a familiar principle. You know, that like they say that like adults are really stubborn. You can't teach an old dog new tricks. Like mm-hmm. adults are really set in their ways and you have to get to kids because kids are just like sponges. They just soak it up and they can learn. Yep. It's why like teaching a kid a language at a young age is so important because like it's just so much easier for the brain to get into that. So just it's a really great way to take a familiar concept and then turn it in a horrifying fashion. Yep. So yep. again, like great great writing here mm-hmm. it's like you say it's it's a classic concept it's in the book yeah. 1984 it's the same kind yeah. of thing where you just like you have to because adults have this thing where they've had experience and they start thinking for themselves a little bit and that kind of thing and kids don't have that as much so you got to get to them quick and early so i like that this applied to the the science of the the flies Brain. as well yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. The science, and then, of the, brain, the science of the flies. Yeah. That was good. Yeah. And then the question I had was, do you think, so does everyone born have to be infected or if you're infected and you have children, are they then infected by default? It's a, it, it's a good question. And I think they're going to have to answer it because it seems the, the technology we understand right now that we've been exposed to seems to be that you still have to be infected, that you wouldn't just be born with it. But Mm -hmm. Hale says, I've had a generation to perfect it. So maybe by now 
there's a yeah. way that like it just passes on, but we haven't been exposed to that way yet. Right. Yep. So I think I think there's something there that they still need to explain logistically. It doesn't have to be heavy handed or like super involved. It just has to be like, this is the way that I adapted it or whatever. Like, yep. you know, whatever. But yeah, so thus far, we have not seen anything that would suggest um, that you would have to be that you would be born with it. Because I mean, one might also wonder then how this group of humans that Frankie is with, we know Frankie wasn't born with it. But like, right. what about these other people? You know, how how old are the people in this crew? Some of them seem older. Some of them seem younger. Like, would they have been been born to people who are were already infected? We don't know. Yeah. Stories. So hopefully we'll maybe get some exploration through them. Yep. Yep. All right. Well, um, any other thoughts? Um, man, I don't, I don't think so. I think we covered like all of the big things. Yeah. We didn't like break down each point that happened, but we covered the important themes and storylines happening. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I am kind of, oh, the, sorry. The one thing I did want to point out that I really liked in episode three, and I'm hoping, I'm thinking we're going to, be flashing back to young Frankie and mom storyline. Um, because I really liked the way that their, uh, that Caleb's friend, I think his name was Carver. That was like helping them pack up and, you know, get out of Dodge and like get that, get them out of town ended up being infected. And it was like a good old fashioned, like horror, you know, somebody's in the house and we have to hide from them. It was so, it was, it was very like simple and I enjoyed the simplicity of that plot line for a moment. Do you know what I mean? Like, just like somebody is in the house, the kid has to go hide. The mom has a gun. She's got shaky hands. Is she going to be able to do this? Like, oh, we're cutting away. Like, oh, he's creeping around the house. Like, I know that, you know, everybody's hiding somewhere. Like, what's going to happen? It was just some really simple, effective storytelling in my opinion. Mm -hmm. And Westworld could give us some more of that to like balance out the very complex storylines that they're creating. And I would not be mad. I, I also, agree. I, mom knows how to shoot. Good job. Yeah, Good yeah. for one thing, bitchy mom. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I will agree. I like the, the way the scene was done and stuff. I'm glad they only did the, you know, it just becomes very common to like show the person that's hiding and then mm, show the person mm-hmm. about to expose something, right. presuming they're there and then not. You can do it once. So they did it once. Yes. Um, though I don't think he was controlled. I think he had eliminated, he was a host copy and had eliminated the real one because we saw right. the body in the dumpster and then he had blood right. that he got on the bear. Right. So, so unless right. he's killed someone else, right. I, that's no, the way I read it. Yep, you're right, and I'm I'm just remembering that now. I was sort of thinking at first. I remember thinking uh, before we saw the body that he was going to be like the senator's wife, who was like yeah. nuts and like carving up the dead horse, and she had blood on her, and he got blood on the yeah. bear. And I was like, oh my god, like he's infected, like she is. And then you're right, we saw the mm-hmm. the double. Yeah. So and, yeah, and and those pieces are 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 making more sense now. I'm appreciating. Yeah that they set up this stuff for Bernard in the last season and them appreciating that we had the person 
jump saying that why are you writing this for me and we have yes. like the crazy couple like you're saying so we're seeing the the failed attempts in the past as they're working through the kinks i i like it that's it's, it's yep. good yep yeah this is a this is a well-planned well-executed season and it feels even though the storyline is different it feels more in the comfort zone of like seasons one and two where we feel a rhythm and we feel like the reveals are coming um, and they're happening, but we still have like really excellent questions to ask. Yep. Yep. All right. Well, all right. Westworld season four, episodes three and four. We'll mm -hmm. be back um, to talk about the other episodes in the coming weeks. Otherwise, that's been Popcast on the Rocks, episode 114. Please like, share, subscribe in all the places possible. YouTube, Twitter, Facebook. Those are the ones. And then uh, follow, <laughs> us here on, yeah, follow us here on Twitch. That's perfect, too. Um, if you're just into the podcast format of things, that's fine. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever. Please leave a review. It would be much appreciated. Killing the Flower, they're responsible for our theme song. And so you can go and check them out on Spotify, Instagram, and YouTube. And um, that'll about do it from us. Mm -hmm. uh, Andrea, thanks once again for joining me. Of course. As always, cheers, everybody. Chug, chug. Ha, ha, ha.